The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bub on the Bat Flip, episode 92. Going to recap the recent week in Fab, as we always do, and uh, talk about maybe some food or some other things. Who knows? And all the fantasy baseball goodness that there is. We've already joked around that all the, the ups and downs of the first two days of this week, and we just going to get better from here. I can already tell. So you can find myself on Twitter at BDentric. My co-host is always on Twitter at Bat Flip Crazy. Toby, how we doing, man? Doing well, Bubba. Um, I can't believe it's the 20th Fab week. Yep. Can you believe that? I mean, we're really we're down to eight weeks, less than eight weeks now yeah, on the like, season. Like, so. Give or take seven and a half or so. Like it's yeah, it's it's less than two months. Yeah, for sure. And you can see you can see though how there can still be these big swings because we okay. were talking before the show all the injuries that are happening. Not just I mean, there's the COVID ones for sure, um, but also just all the injuries just everywhere, you know, and so really some opportunities for to gain some ground and also to lose some ground um, because of that. So it's going to be an interesting final eight weeks of the season. And hopefully, hopefully for all of our listeners, I mean, everybody else, I wish them the worst of luck, but for people who are listening to the podcast, I really hope you guys have good luck, injury luck uh, down the stretch here. I think that's going to be going to be pivotal to give you the chance to, uh, to, to wrap up some championships, which I'm, I assume, I assume all of our listeners are like at least in the top two or three. Um, yes, because I'm not. And so uh, <laughs> I, I assume they are. Yes, they should be. And um, also just, yeah, it's crazy. These injuries, like we joked around about it beforehand, that it'd be nice if they just reported things on time instead of like Mondays or Tuesdays, the Reese Hoskins, the Glabers, the Baezes, that they're like day to day should be back soon. And now it's Hoskins on the IL, Glaber's on the IL. Javi's got a lingering back problem. It's like, like literally, Glaber might be a drop. 
this weekend because they're they're going to take more tests and they're saying he could be out anywhere from 10 to 25 days because it's a weird spring in his hand it's it, it's like it gives me flashbacks of Pedroia a couple of years ago when he had that deal with Machado and messed his hand up and then he was never the same again and so it's like oh man so it's thumb right it's his yeah. thumb those are those heal nasty. Oh, thumbs are the worst. When guys injure their thumbs, I'm just like, ah. Yep. Because now yeah. he's not going to want to be aggressive on the base pads, and that's one thing that Glaber did. Because at least he wasn't hit with power, but at least he was stealing bags and stuff. At least trying to. Um, so that's pretty much going to go out the window. How's he gripping the bat? How's he doing this and that? Uh, we we're already kind of saying he's not aggressive enough on like the outside corner. Well, that probably just went out the window now without being able to really hold on to the bag. So it's just a, a, a litany of things to take place there. So we'll see how that one pans out. But uh, I told Toby, like, let's just hit record because we were just going back and forth on all the bad things that have happened in the last couple of days. There is good. There is good, though. There's yeah. plenty of good stuff out there. And we, and we wanted to share all those bad things with our listeners and just yeah. make sure that you guys knew that you're There's, not alone. It, <laughs> it's alone. dangerous out there. Yeah. Just because um, we hit record does not mean it doesn't happen to us. <laughs> yeah. And I mean my Mets, you know, because I'm wearing yeah. my I'm wearing a new Mets hat for those of you who are listening to the podcast, as opposed to checking out our beautiful faces on the uh on the feed here. Um, you know, the bias injury stuff. I mean, yeah, how how much and what percentage of bias are they getting for the rest of the season? And they gave up their first round draft pick from two mm-hmm. years ago. I mean, yikes. It's a big one. It's a big one. That team's struggling to say the least, like struggling yeah. to say the least. So the Mets, um, we might not have either New York team in the playoffs this year. That's going to be wild. And they're both like the Mets were in first place. The Yankees look like they were at least kind of comfortably sitting on a wild card. Now we might not see either thing happen, which would be pretty wild. So yeah, I'm fine with the Yankees missing the playoffs, so but I think, my I think, Mets, I think most I do of not want are. that to happen. Yeah, I was looking forward to the Mets. At the same time, it's like, okay, I can get Philadelphia with Bryce Harper because I am one of those that actually likes Bryce Harper, contrary to the beliefs of me. Like, there's, it's amazing how many people don't like Bryce Harper. Like, you don't have to like his personality if you want, but as a baseball player, the dude is freaking awesome. So I, I love watching him play, and I'll I'll fight that battle all day long. Zach Wheeler on the big stage, like, give me that. That'd be awesome. Watch the bullpen implode over and over again with the seven different chances they have. And then in, in the end, Toby's victorious because Ranger Suarez shuts the door. Like, that'll just happen. Um, so I, I think the Phillies are cool. I don't know. The Braves are always going to hang around. So the, the East is an in- interesting division, to say the least. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be tight. Should be some fun races down the stretch here. It's going to be really definitely. interesting. Except for the National League West, the Giants are about to run away with that one. So we're good. I'm just for kidding. sure. How many games are they Are they in first place? Or? I, I, oh, yeah. They have, they've been in first place. They have the best record in baseball. Um, they, wow. I think they're five games up on the Dodgers now. Really? Yeah. Last time I checked, I'll check while we, we talk. Wow. About I know it was four the other day. It's like when the Giants lose, the Dodgers lose. It's been like perfect. Uh, That's amazing. And also the Dodgers Padres. Yeah. Wild card game. In the wild card game. Holy yep. cow. Yeah. It'd be glorious. Like I, I'm looking forward to it because I think that's why I made that joke. The Giants are four up on the Dodgers right now. Seven up on the Padres. Four. Um, cool. but, uh, I made the joke when, the, the Dodgers traded for uh, Scherzer and all. You guys have one heck of a wild card pitcher. That was my joke. I made everybody, and people need to realize I'm, I'm sarcastic. Like I, I like, the, I respect the Dodgers, but I like the Giants. So you get what you get on that one. But yeah, it's gonna be fun. Like baseball's been fun. Now um, we'll get to fantasy in a minute. We don't have a lot of questions at the end, so we'll have, we'll have time. But um, I know you don't watch a ton of it, as as you've told us before, but. I was glued to the Giants-Brewers this past weekend. It was playoff baseball at its finest. Two games with extra innings. The third game could have gone to extra innings. Pitching was great with Burns and Woodruff. Um, it was it was awesome. 
It was awesome baseball. That Brewers team is going to be dangerous in the postseason. If they can get any consistent offense, any, that team is going to be filthy. The way their bullpen goes together with those big starters, that team's that I, I don't want to face them in a series. They're going to be very scary. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of very good teams, yeah. particularly in the National League. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they all are in the National League for the most part right now. So we'll see how that plays out. But all right. Enough's enough. Let's talk fantasy baseball. Recap the weekend fab as usual. After we go over a handful of the top ads of the week, we'll go over our ads and drops of the week because apparently that's a big hit these days. People appreciate to see kind of our, our thought process before between what we were doing there. And then we'll go through the listener questions which we have a few of at the end of the show. The top ad of the week, Toby, Joe Adele, added in 297 leagues as high as 267. I got him in a few spots for like single digits. I think I'm, I don't even think I went double digits in any. I got him in two or three leagues. But I got him for cheap um, between Brandon Marsh not producing, between the setbacks Mike Trout's having. There's a point like why even brush him back? He's your future. You paid him all that money. Why? Like besides being baseball fans wanting to see Mike Trout on the field, why? Like they have nothing to gain. So I'm going to give Adele a chance. He tore it up in the minors when he in the last like month or so. Strikeout rate dropped. Contact quality was up. Power was up. He's looked decent so far in his short stint here. There's still not everything you want to see, but it looks a lot better than the first time he was called up. So I have some hope that they're going to run him out there and go. So that's why I went on Adele. Plus, the, the thing I say every week before I give you the floor here, outfield is a mess in 15-team leagues. So I'll take anybody with regular playing time that looks half decent. That's why we grabbed the Ortegas last week. That's working out well. Edward Olivares, not so much. So um, what do you got on Joe Adele? Because I'm a fan. I'm, I understand there's risk, but I'm a fan of what I've seen so far. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely, you know, he's got 25 plate appearances. He's doing better than he has so far, which is good news. You know, the skills are the skills are up. We'll see what happens over the long haul. I think with Adele, you kind of understand the weaknesses at this point. The batting average probably won't be very good. The highest projected batting average he has is in the low 240s. It, and I think people were pick, picking him up. If he got in the 240s, would be really happy about that. But it's the power-speed combination, and you can't really get that too many places. I think there's um, both him and, and Lewis Brinson was also on the wire this week, who I know you're a fan of. And those two guys um, were kind of the power speed combinations that you could see. I think Adele was kind of the higher level version of that, just because I think the pop is a little bit higher. And I also think the speed is a little bit higher and, and just, um, yeah. So, so I wasn't overly aggressive on, on Adele um, couple, you know, uh, it was pretty low, you know, single digit bids, I'm pretty tight in in some of my leagues in Fab now after after last week just because I splurged on like a De- or um, Eloy in a couple places and um, some closing options as well. So I'm trying to save up a little bit, and so I can see why people were after Adele. You just got to hope that in this miniature season we have this eight week season that we have left to go that you know he can he can kind of be on the high side of, of of what's possible from a variance perspective, and um, so far so good for him. So we'll see. Yeah, no, that, that's that's the plan. And if anything, it's the playing time. Like I'm usually hesitant on these guys, but it looks like on paper he should be locked into some playing time. He's hitting them about sixth ish in that order, which feels promising. I like the Lewis Brinson shout. We probably won't get to him because he wasn't like a popular popular ad, but he was like a runner up ad in a lot of the ones I was going for. Where I was going for Adele, I had like a buck or two on Brinson because I was cool with that. He's produced this week. Right now, I might rather have Brinson the way he's hitting the ball. He's even having a decent Tuesday night. He's hitting cleanup. Uh, the other thing I'll say between Brinson and Adele, if I have to like separate the two, as bad as the Angels are, I still like that offensive content, context over Miami's. 
in that situation. So I'd rather have the, the Adele and the surrounding pieces in Anaheim compared to Miami. So it'll be interesting to see. Hopefully Brenson's a popular ad this week. So I think he's very viable in 15-team leagues where people need an outfielders. Um, he's got power speed, as you said. He's hitting cleanup. I think he's hitting now in six straight games. Like the, the dude's pretty pretty darn good. Finally, you know, former high-end prospect. He's starting to finally get his footing, it looks like. so. And they have, again, another team, no reason not to play him for two months. So enjoy your, enjoy some Lewis Brinson this weekend if you need some outfielders. All right, with the uh, Aroldis Chapman going on the COVID IL. Or no, he's got no regular IL this time with uh, some elbow inflammation, I believe. So we have some issues in New York. There's already issues with Chapman's pitching uh, altogether, but now there's actually an opening. So Jonathan Loisiga was a popular ad, picked up in 206 leagues, as high as 123. I already had him in previous weeks for a dollar in a couple leagues. I didn't get him anywhere else this week. I love Loisiga. Came in in the seventh inning on Monday, but um, the way I the way I described it to somebody that was asking me on Twitter when I tweeted stuff out on Sunday about it, like, wouldn't you rather have Zach Britton? I said, you want one or the other. They're going to platoon them. There's not going to be one set guy. They like Loisiga for for high leverage, but they also like him in the ninth if it, if it lines up that way. They prefer him there. I think you'll see the high leverage there with Britton, former closer. You'll see that as well. They're both going to get theirs. It didn't hurt that Britain blew a save. Four guys blew saves on Monday night. Four yeah, I know. That was just so, a comedy of errors. That was that was just insane to see. So Lois Siga didn't lose his job by chance there. So he'll get his. But at worst, I go back to what I said before. He'll give you quality innings. He'll get you strikeouts. So the ratios will be good. He, he got me a win last week because I needed a pitcher and I didn't want some of my other options. He pitched two outings, got me a W, some strikeouts. He could do that for the rest of the year. So I like Lois Siga quite a bit. Wouldn't have paid that much for him, but I like him quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of the dynamic that I had. There was Low Isiga and and Britain. I had Low Isiga and Britain at pretty much the same uh, fab cost. I kind of felt like Britain might end up getting the closing opportunities just based on usage previously. If you look at the two games prior to the Chapman injury, Britain worked the eighth in one, and Chad Green worked the eighth in the other. But Loi Siga has been very good this year. And so just from, you know, like volume and he's been able to you know, poach a few wins here and there um, or a decent amount of wins this year, Loi Siga. So I kind of had them one and two. I, I think I had Loi Siga above him, but for the same amount. And I ended up getting a lot or like, I think three, I think I got Britain on three teams. So which I should have notified our listeners just to let them know that he was going to blow that first save opportunity. Just, just a heads up process wise. That was a solid ad. Um, the results, not so much, but we'll see. I, I'm sure there'll be a couple more opportunities maybe this week. There should be because at worst, the Yankee schedule as bad as they are right now, it's favorable to potentially it wins. If that makes sense in the grand, like you're playing the Royals and the Royals are actually taking it to them again, which is hilarious to me. Comedy of reasons. But on paper, these are games that you should see some save chances or at least some high leverage chances to at least get you some innings and production. So that's why it's like, I'm with you. If you Britain, let's see, Lois Sega, whichever one you wanted, I prefer Lois Sega. You prefer Britain. Wouldn't be shocked in the end if, in reality, if we put a date from like well, the start of the week, August 9th somewhere, if we had very similar stats by the end of the season. Like, I think they're very similar trajectories. So I like how you put similar pricings and it makes tons of sense. So I'm 100% on board with you on that one. Um, BK, lots of numbers in the chat asks who will be a closer who is not the guy now, but will be next year. 
Do you want to answer that now or in the listener questions? Maybe let's um, let's save that one for. Later. I got to do yeah. a little research. Yeah. Let's, you know? let's, save, let's save that um, one for later. Let's go back to some of these ads here, and we'll go back to that one. Um, the next guy was a guy I added in a lot of. I already had him in a couple places, and I so I got to enjoy the ten strikeout performance last week from Cal Quantrill, and I'm a big fan of his. Um, he's looked great. He's he's done some pitch mix changes. The strikeouts are all of a sudden coming up. Not as much of a pitch to context guy anymore, and the ground ball rate is outstanding right now. Over his last like three to four starts, he's been amazing will he have hiccups probably because he's a young pitcher but i think he's a great rest of the season guy he missed some time early so he's gonna have his inning should be okay for the rest of the year he went in 205 leagues as high as 77 dollars. i picked him up almost everywhere i could i had bids on him everywhere i could but i already had him in a couple spots and then i definitely grabbed him this week and i plan on using him going forward barring just like absolute catastrophe which we've seen plenty of those this year so very very possible to happen but i'm a fan of what cal quantrill is I kind of liked him when the season started. Didn't go so well. Didn't have anything, God. But I like what I'm seeing now, so now I can buy in. And it kind of feels like the Logan Gilbert plan where the young guy starts out slow, figures some things out, gets his feet wet. Now he's getting kind of – he's back to going, oh, yeah, I can pitch. Just the big leagues, but I can pitch. I like Cal Quantrill quite a bit. Um, I, not, I know not everybody does. A lot of people don't like Cal Quantrill. So what's your thoughts on him? Yeah, I mean, I think he's he's definitely serviceable is what I would say. I think it's actually like a, a few of the um, Cleveland pitchers recently have been able to drop their walk rates considerably. And that's one of the things that Quantrill has been able to do, which has been nice. And I, like you, I have him in a number of DCs. He was not available in most of my 15 teamers just because uh, last week he had a two-start week and that was a pretty good two-start week. I think it was like Cardinals and, and somebody else. So I think a few people had them, um, uh, had them, uh, had had him there, but just, you know, last five, like, you know, everything's moving in the right direction. The strikeout rate, um, the swinging strike rate. I mean, the strikeout skills have not been, I think what maybe we were hoping for, but the lack of walks and some BABIP luck, you know, so far, or at least a lower BABIP. Like if you look at him recently, I think over his last, five starts, the BABIP is like 240 or something like that. So I think to your point, I mean, there's going to be some regression coming in that department, but I think if he continues to keep the ground ball rate high, if he continues not to walk guys, you know, then hopefully it's, it's um, you're limiting the damage, you know, a little bit. And so again, not necessarily a high ceiling guy, but you know, a, a sturdy and stable enough guy to have in there just, Understand that, like many non-high strikeout guys, he has the same weaknesses uh, in terms of being babbitt, which I'm sure he'll have one of those starts the rest of the season. Oh, he'll probably have two or three. I, I don't doubt that one bit. Yeah. He, well, he, there's he, only there's not too many starts left, so he's, he's got probably, two he's or three. Weeks. Let's see, there's seven weeks. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, so he's probably got maybe nine starts max, eight nine starts max. So it better not be two or three. Yeah, good point. Good point on that. But I'm with you. Like he's not a must start every week, but. This time of year, especially in our deeper league, serviceable is very good. <laughs> serviceable is very good right now for some of the stuff we're seeing. So uh, I'm a big Quantrill fan going forward. Uh, closers are always a topic of conversation. And Alex Colomay was added in 204 leagues as high as $123 with uh, Rodgers going down with the other issues in Minnesota with um, I forgot, Hansel Robles getting shipped off to Boston. It kind of finally settled the debate there. And Colomay looks to be the guy for now. Not a bad week last week. Got a couple saves. Um, Got to save today, Bubba. There you go. Minnesota surprising people. I picked up Colomay in at least one spot, if not two spots. I think I even had him somewhere else in some 
DCs or something, but he's one of those guys, like we've talked about these different kind of chants, like, you know, Floros and Bedners and these others, at least with Robles, you've seen it before. You know what he can do. I mean, Colomay, you know what he can do. He's on a team that's going to use him all the time. There's not a question mark there. So I was a little more aggressive. Don't have a lot of money to be super aggressive, but I was willing to give a shot to Colomay this week. Yeah, so was I. He was at the top of my bid list for closers. Um, he was even ahead of Floro for me just because he's gotten every opportunity. Agreed. Um, and the Twins aren't a great team, but they also play in a pretty weak division. So they should have a decent number of chances. And when you look at Colum A, like, and this is the thing about closers, you know, which has always been par- a key part of my kind of philosophy and strategy is, you know, if you look at Colomay's last 15 games, you know, his his in-zone contact is right in line with his three-year average. His O-swing is close to 40%, higher than his, his average, which is great, you know, which means he's not walking guys. And accordingly, his walk rate is 6.5%, which is strong. His swinging strike rate is 13.4%, very good. His K-rate, which is weird, is still low, 19.4%, despite all these other things, but he's pitching very well, you know? And so it's kind of one of these things where in the course of a longer season, sometimes guys start out slower. Sometimes they start out stronger, but his ERA over his last 15 outings is 240. You know, he's not walking guys. He's not giving up a bunch of hits. So that whip is going to be really strong as well. So that's the thing is like, you have column here who's doing column things like he's done throughout his career over the last 15, you know, games, which is probably like about a month, you know? And and so, so you just roll with it, you know, you go for opportunity and he's got decent skills. So you just throw it out there. And so I did that. I think I got him in a few places, um, which I was excited about, not too aggressive on the bidding. I think in some leagues I I was at like 18 In some leagues I was mid thirties, but um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm, I'm with you 100 on that. I grabbed him where I could find him because he was still he was taken in a lot of deeper leagues already, so that was gone. But we're available. I, I was very very interested. That's for sure. Uh, Dylan Floro was next on the most added list. 202 teams, highest 67. And I, I agree with what you said. Like I had Colomay as the top closer target on the week. He like the whole idea of being locked in quite appealing. But Floro also looks like the guy in Miami for now. That could obviously change at a moment's notice in Miami, but. I agree he's the guy he's gotten the chances to start out, um, but it is Miami. We'll see. I, I, I did put a couple smaller bids on, didn't get him anywhere because I got Colome or, or other options, but I see the appeal for going for Floro. I think he's going to, you know, he should knock on wood be the closer the rest of the way from Miami. Yeah, another solid guy. I mean, the only slight concern I had is that, you know, he got the two saves and then he got a night off and they got another save opportunity and it went to Bender. So again, you know, is that a one-time thing? Did they want to give him a little bit more rest? Maybe he had thrown a lot more, you know, recently. So a little bit of question there for me, although I I still think that he's going to get the vast majority of chances, but another solid, you know, not spectacular guy over his last 15, 82.7 Z contact, which is solid. You know, the swinging strike rate isn't, isn't fantastic, but he's not really a strikeout guy. I think it's close to like my cursor is not working super well. Uh, so I think he's around 10%. The walk rate's down to 8.8%. K rate at up at 25%. O swings right around league average. So again, you know, solid, not spectacular, 
The Marlins team, I mean, they're not great, but they're a solid team. I mean, the offense isn't, they're always in games because of their pitching. And so, you know, and their whole pitching staff isn't together at this moment in time, but you know, like Trevor Rogers, I think it seems like is going to take a break this week. And, but I thought they'd get a decent amount of opportunity. So he was number two in line, kind of mid teens uh, for him in terms of um, bids, but I didn't end up getting him. I either got, um, I either got column a was too low on Floro and ended up getting Britain um, in leagues or, or Patton who I don't think is on the list, but I got a ton of Spencer Patton like yeah, for four been, bucks, like everywhere. Went, yeah. He was uh, added in 73 leagues as high as 42. I think he was added a lot last week. So that was kind of the speculation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was once, weird. Once Kennedy, like he was, this a, was 15s too. He was available in a lot of 15s. Yeah. Cause I know once Kennedy was traded, like quote unquote, most thought it was Patton. So a lot went that way, but Hey, yeah, I was I was surprised. I, I was surprised Joe Adele was available in so many leagues. I really was because just the hype train and the chance, like all these things, prospect hype train. I was honestly surprised he's available in so many situations. So you never know this time of year, people. Like we said time and time again, people are starting to move towards football and everything, and you'd totally. be surprised what's sitting out there. Like I, this scroll, I scroll usually. I usually have a list of guys I already want, but I'll scroll through like two pages in corner infield, two pages in my like, just to see what's there because you'd be shocked. What's sitting out there sometimes? So uh, definitely something to do. Um, we'll go back to some yeah. of the hitters. In, yeah. in terms of that too, Bubba, one thing that I always do is I always sort by plate appearances over the last seven games yep. just to make sure that I haven't missed a guy who's, you know, playing, which is like, I mean, if they're playing, they're pretty much like every day, they're pretty much yeah, on a team in, you know, yeah. at this point. Well, no, and I'm with you. I don't do the seven. I do 14. Seven might be smarter, but I do I do a similar. I always I shrink it down to kind of like, okay, this is what they're doing. This is what like they're playing. Definitely has something to keep in mind of uh, what's going on. Uh, we'll, we'll come back to a couple of hitters that were here, but I wanted to stick with the closer train right now. And let's talk about the nightmare in Cincinnati. It's been a mess all year. It gets better Oof. now because Michael Givens was picked up in 183 leagues for as high as 78. I, I don't see where the other guys were, but, you know, Lucas Sims is back off the IL. Lorenzen's getting some saves. Garrett's getting some saves. I didn't want to bid on anything to do with Cincinnati. I was like, I, I limited on funds already. I'm not even bothering. I know people that are desperate for saves had to. I get it. If you had to approach the Cincinnati situation, are you going Givens? Where 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 would you be spending your your money? Yeah, I picked up Givens in a couple spots for like three bucks. I think um, the thing about Givens is he's always been a pretty good reliever. You know, he's always been pretty solid, and he got the two he got the last two save chances, and he converted them in Cincinnati, and so. Again, you know, who knows who's going to get the next one? They haven't used him yet in lower leverage situations this week, but, or at least I don't think they have. But so I went with him. And I mean, um, if you look at him, so in zone contact is fantastic at 76% over his last 15. Strikeout rate is close to 30%. O swing close to 30%. Swinging strike at 14.3. The walk rate is a little high. Um, kind of always an issue for him, more of like a stuff guy, I think, than a command guy. It's close to 12%. So a little bit of concern there, but for cheap, cheap potential access to saves, I, I picked him up. And he's also out of Colorado. I mean, obviously, like going to Cincinnati is not the best option, but it's better than Colorado. And so I did I did get him just for minuscule bids. He was even decent in Colorado. So, yeah, like there's yeah. there's something to like with him. You mentioned I liked what I saw the last few weeks. I'm just terrified of what's going to happen in that bullpen. But 
I would have picked Givens out of my options, but I'm like Lucas Sims could save tomorrow for all I know. It's it's chaotic there for sure. Um, the other closer, Devin Williams, because haters on the COVID IL got picked up in 123 leagues. Someone spent $91 on him, picked up a save in game one of the doubleheader on Tuesday. Um, he, I didn't really go after him at all either. Were you any interest in Devin Williams? Yeah, uh, he wasn't available in most of my 15s, but I definitely snagged him in a couple OCs. He's actually, um, Greg Jewett put out, I think it was Greg, put out a chart on Twitter that was like, was it Greg? I can't remember. Uh, apologies if I'm, if I'm, uh, if I'm, if I'm giving the wrong person credit or if it was Greg, thanks as usual for all your terrific work. But it was essentially, um, since June 23rd among relievers who has had the highest swinging strike rate among relievers, who's had the highest, uh, the lowest contact rate, and Williams was dominating everything. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, back, he's back and similar to where he was last year. And for me, in a lot of these leagues, if I, I'm actually doing pretty well in wins and Ks generally in my leagues, just not so hot in, in saves. And so in a lot of those leagues, like a guy like Devin Williams, who can get me four, five, six, seven strikeouts in his three or four appearances in a week, you know, has, has a ton of value. Like it's the same with uh, Sewell in Seattle where, you know, honestly, like the saves and the wins that he's been picking up have been extra juice. If you're doing well and you can kind of throw a middle reliever in there, the three run Homer sucks, but it was a Yankee stadium three run Homer. That was such garbage. Um, So he's that type of guy. And so, and who knows how long haters going to be gone. I mean, chances are like he has legit COVID, you know, and we just, we just don't know if it's going to be 10 games or not. Like we've seen with Cole where he's going to throw a bullpen. It sounds like at the end of this week and then come back next week. So it ends up being see, 15 days. Do you see the video of Cole pitching in his backyard with his kid watching? Oh and no, he, I didn't. Oh, he's, didn't. He's, pitch, he's pitching at his house. Like it's during the COVID break right now. He's, he's ready to go. Totally. But they just, they announced today that he's going to throw a bullpen this weekend. So he's going to pitch next week and not this week. So it's just like these 10 games become 15 games. And man, the Brewers are just such a good team right now. Like you mentioned, like they're in every game. They're generally low scoring games. They're generally close games. And so I added him. He was actually, I think at the top of my list of closers in an OC, just because I was like, look, I'm going to take him. I'm going to run with him. I'm going to keep him in my lineup sometimes, like just because pitching is just such garbage right now. Um, so anyways, I, I was I was all over him. I, I liked him a lot. Yeah, it's the old adage we've been talking about for a long time now that some of these relievers, you know, they're not closers, have a ton of value to your uh, your fantasy team. So a uh, big, big fan of stuff like that. All right, some of the bats that were added. Brandon Belt picked up in 190 leagues as high as 142. It's a steep price for Brandon Belt. I get it. But um, the dude's been crushing it. He's hitting home runs. Uh, he had a double already on Tuesday night, hitting second in the lineup. That lineup looks filthy right now. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of Brandon Belt. Why he's healthy, he crushes. Like he was doing it before he got hurt. He did it last year. No problem with Brandon Belt. So I think he was a great ad, especially he's probably available in most 12 team leagues for sure. So um, I, I, if you could get him, I was all for it. I didn't because I thought my corner infields were fine. I needed outfield help. Now Reese Hoskins on the IL. So that's freaking awesome. But uh, yeah, Brandon Belt's a great ad. Yeah, I, I was I was after Belt. Um, he was only available actually in one of my 15 teamers. Um, and in that one, he was my top offensive ad, although I wasn't super aggressive with it just because he is a platoon. Uh, this week, though, he had three uh, righties to start off with. He's got uh, Gallon and I think uh, Merrill Kelly. And then after that, he's got um, I think they're playing Colorado and I think he's got Marquez or something like that. 
Um, so he has, so first part of the week, you can definitely play him in NFBC and then he's two out of three on the weekend. So for this particular week, it makes sense. And he's also pretty consistent with the platoon. So you can kind of, you know, take him out of there when, when, when you know it's not going to work out for that week. But like you said, he mashes. I mean, he just absolutely mashes. Talk about a guy next year that I'm going to be all, I'm going to be all over Brandon Belt in like DCs uh, because he's, this is his last year in San Francisco probably. And wherever he ends up, he's just going to, he's going to mash. Yep. It's, it's funny that people are finally on board because for years in the ballpark played very, very large. I kept like, I was pounding the drum that Brandon Belt would be a 30 plus home run hitter in a lot of ballparks. Just trust me on this one. And they're like, no, no, he's not. And then they're starting to see this. And then, you know, now with the cool stat cast, they're doing overlays of ballparks and stuff. It's like, oh, wait a minute. Like, he's legit. Like, if, I know Yankee Stadium's a lefty paradise, but him and Yankee Stadium would be just ridiculous. But there's a lot of ballparks where he could thrive and just crush, like, even Wrigley Field and stuff. Like, He's going to make some team very happy. It's depending on how much they want to pay for him. It's going to suck when he's out of San Francisco, but uh, he's earned it. So good on him, and I think he's a great ad, as you said. Uh, Travis Darnode's coming back from the IL. Should be back on Wednesday, so when you're probably listening to this podcast. Uh, picked up on 187 leagues as high as 79. We've talked time and time again about all the catchers that have been available. You can play catcher roulette most weekends if you want, but now Travis is back. We know the upside of his offensive skills on that uh, Braves uh, lineup. I didn't put any bids out because he wasn't available in any of my leagues, but uh, what were your thoughts on him? Yeah, he went last week or, or a little bit before that when he started his rehab assignment. Yeah, I mean, DR no. Um, yeah, he's a great ad. I mean, if you have any weaknesses there, it's one of these things I always got get myself caught in that dilemma of when do you add the guy? You know, and especially late in the season, it's so hard to give up a week, especially with the injuries and things that like that that are happening, but it always feels like it's worth it. You know, like there was those leagues where like people picked up uh, Luis Robert, people picked up Eloy like weeks ago, you know, for a lot cheaper and uh, where he was available and, and, and they stashed him. And some of my best pickups this year have been that type of player. Like in a few leagues, I, I added Joey Votto, um, you know, towards, uh, you know, when he was out for a month or something like that, or Miguel Rojas when he was dropped you know, and, and added him. So these are the types of guys where it's always that tough decision of how aggressive you go after a guy who's on the DL uh, or IL, but it always seems to be worth it. Honestly, I'm always kicking myself that I haven't done it, you know, like, but it's always easier. It's easy to, it's easy to say that, right. You know, okay. I may break the tradition because I've, I've stashed over the last couple of weeks, stashed Nixon Zell everywhere for super cheap. He's supposed to be back this week. Now he had a setback, so it's maybe next week. So it keeps getting, it's starting to look worse and worse. But I got him for cheap, so if I have to drop him, whatever. But I know what he can bring to a lineup, and I'm praying he can because that Reds offense is clicking. So if you can just like throw him back in there somewhere, I'd be intrigued. But we'll see. I'm starting to get a little nervous about that ad all of a sudden. Very happy when it happened. Not so much anymore. Uh, Carter Keeboom added in 151 leagues as high as – Okay, I don't want, I'd love to know who this person was. Someone spent $546 on Carter Keyboom. And I'm sorry, I hope that was a typo because I love Carter Keyboom. No. <laughs> no, like, that's a, the nicest thing I can say. Like, no. Uh, the kid good. He had a good week. Uh, he's going to play every day, hopefully. Pedigree's there. Maybe this is the time. I, I, I think it's an interesting move. I was, he was like a fourth or fifth bid on some guys for me. So like, he, I didn't get him anywhere, but. Thoughts on Carter Keyboom, who's been kind of hitting over his skis the last week. Yeah, I'm not, I wasn't super aggressive on Keyboom. You know, there's not a lot of depth at third base. So he was on some lines of mine, I think, but pretty far down. 
he is playing every day, so he's got that going for him. But I'm just not convinced, um, you know, based on what we've seen, even now when he, luck kind of seems to be, um, you know, in his favor. Uh, I still, yeah, I'm just, I'm not that into it, which I, I probably should have been more into it, honestly. But there's just nothing that really stood out about it. And then I think this week, who do they have? They have the Yankees. And then I think their second matchup isn't great. So I, I didn't, you know, I'm kind of taking it week to week a lot of times with some of these guys and, um, you know, I'm, I, I'm failing to have a very good reason for not being in on him, but I think it was just that there was other third base options that I was interested in. Like I was really into David Bodie, which sucks because, you know, it turns out that he's been de- de- deposed at the, they were, they're moving wisdom over to third base and but Schwindel is first. now the first first baseman so which you know whatever but that yeah, kind of sucked yeah, she has been playing well so yeah we'll see, we'll see how that plays out but uh sam hilliard adding 151 leagues as high as 81 dollars i grabbed him in a couple spots um i'm a huge sam hilliard fan i know he's not in colorado this week but he was hitting in um like san diego and everything even before this he's been hitting pretty well in the second half of the season since the all-star break he's playing almost every day now which is great to see it don't know what clicked in colorado's mind to finally let this happen He's hitting like seventh or eighth most days, so that kind of stinks. But he's still producing quite a bit. Uh, he's basically a couple bucks in most leagues. Again, playing every day. You know he's still going to play a good chunk of his games in Coors the rest of the way. And I just believe in the power speed tool, and he's, he's showcasing it so far. So I like Hilliard. Uh, the lineup spot's not ideal. Rockies could always screw me and go Rockies on us and start playing someone else. Like, But uh, I'm a big fan of Sam Hilliard, so I did grab him in a few places. Yeah. And he's been really, he's been much better since, um, since he came up, like his contact rate earlier in the year was awful, but in the 20 games since he he's been back, I mean, it's still bad, like 65% overall contacts, so about 10% worse than league average 71.4 in zone. So it's still pretty bad, honestly. Um, but not as bad. I mean, like he was just in remarkable territory in terms of how poor early this year he was. Um, but yeah, hard hit hit rates spiking a little bit. Ground ball rate is is average, but it's like you mentioned the speed power combo. He is in that platoon right now where he's sitting against lefties. But he played against lefties some... last week. Did he? Uh huh. Oh yeah, he played once against lefty, didn't uh-huh. he? That's what I'm saying. He's not platooning that much right now, which is very intriguing to me. Oh, interesting. Well, and then Tapia is injured as well. Yep, it's one on the IL. So, um, yeah. So anyways, I, I picked him up last week in a couple spots. Now, he sat against the last lefty. He sat on Saturday against a lefty. But I think he played the week before that against them. He's got five out of six, I think, are against righties this week. Yep. He's got um, uh, he's got Framber Valdez tomorrow. And then he's got righties all other than that. So this weekend, you can play him for the full time. But... Yeah, I like him a lot, especially when he's in cores. They're going to cores next week. and um, So I think that's nice. I wasn't super aggressive on him just because I don't have a ton of bab to throw around, but I was in like the high single digits, you know, on him. And I think he went other places in most instances. I think the highest I had him at was like 17 or 18, and he went for 20 bucks or something. All right, last guy we'll talk about here before we go over our moves for the week. Andres Jimenez picked up in 132 leagues as high as $66. He's back. He was raking in the minors, like hitting extremely well, hitting for average, a little bit of power, 10 homers over the, the minor league season, of course, stealing some bags like you'd want. Um, he, he looked great. Looked like the guy everybody wants him to be since his call-up. 
been slow again. So I'm wondering if it's like a 4A type player. I'm not sure. Um, I put bids in on him as like a fourth or fifth guy type thing. Didn't get him anywhere. I'm not in desperate on a stolen basis. So I wasn't like yearning to get him. But I was also kind of skeptical because we've seen this show before. Like I was hoping the improvement because there was market improvements in the minors. I'm not going to doubt that. Like the, the power skills, the contact skills, the everything looked great. Still, I'm just hesitant. We've seen this with him before, and so far it's not looked great. Could he turn it around? Sure. Cleveland should play him every day. They have no reason not to, but uh, we'll see how that goes. So I didn't get any shares this week. What about you? Yeah, I got one or two maybe, but again, he was like kind of lower down. I think I got him for like three bucks um, somewhere, I think. He's platooning already, you know, so he's not going to face lefties. He's got three of four righties first half of this week, which is nice. Oakland's a decent team to steal against, so it's fine. But that's what you're really looking for is in places where, you know, you need speed looking to add him. So, yeah, I mean, he's fine. But I think, like you mentioned, like he is not impressed uh, since his start last year. I mean, he started off hot with the Mets last year and really hasn't been that great. So Ahmed Rosario, on the other hand. who's been amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. And he's still younger than Andres Jimenez, I believe. So uh, keep that in mind. If, if, I, if I'm right, I could be wrong. But I know I know um, Rosario – no, no, Jimenez is 22. Rosario is yeah. like 23 or something. So it's it's crazy how young Ahmed Rosario is because he feels like he's been playing with us forever. But, yeah, he's, oh, he's 25 now. But still, that's, that's very, very young in baseball years. So lots of fun stuff coming from Cleveland when it comes to Rosario. All right, before we go to listener questions, Toby, give some of your moves from the week. All right, fab results. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, so um, added Colin McHugh. Uh, he's back in, in leagues where I'm looking for some Ks and some good ratios for middle relievers. Um, maybe scrounge up a couple wins. Uh, I added him. Added, dropped my good friend Chris Stratton, the worst pickup of the season. Uh, added David Bodie, uh, $3, dropped Willie Castro, which does not look like a good move so far. I just couldn't have – Castro's been so bad. It was just hard to keep him on, even if he was playing against Baltimore, and he's also been platooning a little bit. Spencer Patton, added him for 2 bucks, dropped Scott Barlow. Um, added Elvis Andrews for 2 bucks, uh, dropped uh, J2 Brubaker. Uh, Brubaker, I just – I can't see myself starting him again. Um He's just so homer prone. It's just, uh, it's a mess. Uh, added uh, Ramon uh, Urias uh, of the of the Orioles. He was a little bit injured towards the end of last week, but he's been very good. I, I'm mm-hmm. super impressed. Like a, a lot of the guys that I've added, um, uh, Urias is just really impressive. Really good O-swing, really good contact, hits the ball pretty hard and getting better. Um, really like him a lot. He's going to be a guy I probably have a lot next year. He's a regular DFS value every day. So he's yeah. been good. Uh, Zach Britton, I added, dropped Cole Sulzer, who's been pitching like the sixth inning for some reason. Uh, added Al- Anthony Alford, dropped Ramon Laureano. I have Ramon Laureano on my super and three of my four main events. So that was a little bit uh, of a painful uh, experience last week. And then added Colin McHugh, dropped Shane Bieber. I don't think Bieber is going to pitch again. And if he does pitch, I'm not sure it's going to be meaningful. Like he's probably not going to go five innings. Um, uh, Added Colome, dropped Gonsolin. That was a mistake. I had meant to drop Gonsolin the week before. Added Spencer Patton, 12 bucks. Dropped uh, Luis uh, Urias. He just hasn't been playing, although he started the first two games this week. So who knows? 
added asked Drupal Cabrera, dropped Ramon Laureano, added Lewis Brinson, dropped Eddie Rosario. I think Rosario was 100% owned, I think, in Mainz for a while there, but I just don't see it. Like, they've got Duval, they've got Soler, and they've got Jock Peterson. There's no platoon that sees, you know, unless they're going to sit Duval, but they're not because Duval is probably the best hitter and maybe the best defender of, of that group. And so I just think Rosario is just going to be a bench bat. Um, so that was sad to do, but uh, I dropped him there, added Lewis Brinson, um, added Yadiel Hernandez in a couple places, dropped Ramon Laureano, added Michael Givens, dropped Chris Stratton, added David Bodie, dropped Wilmer Flores, who has lost a lot of playing time yep. with everybody getting healthy in San Francisco, added Hernandez again, Yadiel Hernandez again, uh, dropped Ramon Laureano, added Chris Britton uh, dropped Chris Stratton. Another Hernandez that I had on a bunch of my lines was Yanni Hernandez, who's playing every day for the Rangers and hitting as high up as second in the lineup. He has a stolen base today. Um, you know, I didn't end up getting him because he was lower down, but I'm, I'm maybe a little bit bitter about that. Um, I added David Price and dropped Chris Stratton and TGFBI, added Pavin Smith, dropped Ramon Laureano, added Zach Britton, dropped Jacob DeGrom in DGFBI, um, which is sad, but again, like makes sense. maybe he gets a start or two, but uh, at this point, who knows? Added Reed Detmers, un- no backup bid, dropped JT Brubaker for two bucks. Added Yasmani Grandal, who appears to be Rehabbing. fairly close to coming back. Yep. Uh, dropped Michael Waka, who gave us a garbage two-step against wow. weak competition last yeah. week. On paper, those looked amazing. Oh, God. He's just the absolute worst. He'll probably throw like four straight great starts. On He'll be great against the Yankees or the Red yeah. Sox when nobody on earth is starting him. Yep. Michael Givens dropped Chris Stratton, added Andy Ibanez for a buck, dropped Shane Bieber. In my 12s, added Devin Williams, dropped Brad Hand, added Spencer Patton, dropped Keith Hembry, added Miguel Cabrera, dropped Miguel Rojas. Uh, added Dylan Floro. I guess I did get him one place. Dropped Heath Hembry. Added Lorenzo Cain. Um, dropped Trevor Larnock. Added Brandon Belt. Do- dropped Didi Gregorius, who just hasn't been playing very often um, and has been being platooned. Added Devin Williams. Dropped Jacob DeGrom. Added Andres Jimenez. Dropped Jaron Duran. I think this was because I was set at outfield in this league, but... I don't know. That's a little bit questionable, honestly. No, I made a Duran drop too. So I yeah. yeah. Uh, Kyle Farmer added him, dropped Eugenio Suarez. Just because Suarez, actually at the time of Fab, Suarez was only supposed to do two out of four were lefties that he was facing. But then there was a switch in the schedule when they when the Cleveland brought up Hentges. And so he ended up facing three out of four. So I'll probably drop him next week because he's in a strict platoon with Moustakas and it's painful, but at least my batting average will improve. And then that was, that was all of my NFBC related leagues, my ad drops there. Yeah, um, so, yeah. All righty. For me and TGFBI added Alex Colome, dropped Paulo Espino. Like I said it last week, the, the bad games were coming. It, it came quick. Um, so Colome, I got him for 12 bucks. Runner up was seven. Like this, there's a few of these that are going to sting. I grabbed Edward Olivares, dropped Ben Gamble, who's on the IL for eight bucks. That was fun. But I did grab Carlos Hernandez, uh, pitcher for the Royals. I'm a big fan of what I've seen. Pitched great against the Yankees on Monday. Dropped Heath Henry, got him for eight bucks, runner up of five. And then I grabbed Sam Hilliard for three, and I dropped Will Myers. So that's one that we'll see how it goes. But 
I'm not overly impressed with what Will Myers is doing, especially no power, and I need power badly. So it's not happening for me with Big Will Myers. It's been tough. It's been very bad. Like I, I know he's how good he is, and if he went off, it wouldn't surprise me, but it's one of those I just can't do anymore. It's just not productive at all. Um, in one of my qualifiers, I added Cal Quantrell, dropped Jose Suarez for 4 bucks. Added, had Edward Olivares for 3 bucks. dropped Luis Urias, who's platooning with Bolt, with uh, Milwaukee getting healthy, added Joe Adele for 3 bucks. dropped Jaron Duran. So we'll see how that one works out there. And then that's a tough one. That's a very tough one, but Duran has looked lost at the plate. So we'll see. Then I added Tanner Houck again for 2 bucks, and I dropped Clayton Kershaw. So I don't think he is much left for this season as well. And I'm a big Tanner Houck fan, and it looks like he will be in the rotation now. We shall see. In one of my satellites, grabbed Joe Adele, dropped Steven Duggar, who's back in the minors now, added Edward Oliveras, dropped Ben Gamble. So as you're seeing a trend here, as I've been needing outfield help all year, and I'm going to need more after this week because Edward Oliveras goes back to the waiver wire. And then in my other satellite, added Josh Harrison, who got hit by a pitch. X-rays were negative today. Dropped Jaron Duran in that one. Uh, but I, I needed I needed Harrison's uh, flexibility. I thought that was very important with COVID and all these other injuries right now. Like that's going to be very important in the last couple of weeks, I think. And then Cal Quantrill dropped Ian Anderson, who keeps getting setbacks. It seems like with his return, so that wasn't a, an easy drop, but one I needed to make. And then I added Cole Solcer for three dollars. Going to roll the dice there. Dropped Alec Mills. Then I added Josh Rojas for two bucks. He got activated from the IL on Tuesday, so I'm pretty happy about that one. Another flexibility type play there. I had. Ola Rojas bids in elsewhere, didn't get him, but I was, I was surprised he's in a couple leagues, so that one may be quite uh, happy. Yes, Alex, we talked about earlier, Oliveris got sent down again, so uh, that was one that stung me and many more in this community because the Royals are just unbelievably, I don't know, I really I don't have an answer for it. I have no answer for what they're doing with him at all anymore, so it can't be roster manipulation. That one doesn't count, so no idea. All right, let's get into some listener questions here. We'll go back to BK's question. Who will be a closer who is not the guy now, but will be next year? Um, Alex Thistlewood had a couple suggestions. Ken Giles makes a ton of sense. You still have Diego Castillo there, though. Let's keep that in because Giles is in Seattle, right? I think. Yeah. yeah. You got Jordan Hicks in St. Louis. That makes a ton of sense. If he can bounce back, he is supposed to <laughs> bounce back eventually. That never did. Demarcus Evans, Lucas. I'd love for Lucas Sims to be there, but it's the Reds. So, what are some guys you think you're looking at? Yeah. I don't know. There are there aren't any great ones that are hopping out at me. Um, honestly, well, the biggest thing will be all the guys that sign in new places and stuff. There'll be a lot of moving parts. Like that's one of those where it's like an easy cop out, but you kind of need to see what roster constructions are because not a lot of guys pitching seventh innings right now are either going to close for their current team. They're probably going to get signed somewhere else. Or yeah, maybe, there's maybe I don't know. There's so many factors too. Like it's like. You know, Bender would be a great option maybe for the Marlins, but Floro's there. I don't think Floro will necessarily be the closer, but Bender's young. And or do they try to move him to the rotation or do they just try to, to, to limit his exposure and to saves for financial purposes? So there's a lot that goes into it. I think what you mentioned, Bubba, is key is look for situations and also what Alex mentioned. Like I would look for situations where either the closer was injured this year, you know, and, and is coming back. Because I think oftentimes managers and uh, like to not have injury be what um, replaces a guy, and or at least when there's a chance to reset like a new season, giving that guy another opportunity to do that. Places where the current closer is a free agent, so like Rysel Iglesias, yeah, um, you know, like he's going to go somewhere, maybe else, maybe he'll stay. But um, 
kind of speculating on maybe the next guy up in those pens. But the problem is, I feel like we saw this a lot last year is there was plenty of opportunities. Like in draft champions leagues, there was a bunch of people picking up mayors and there was a bunch of, there's so many different speculations, you know, and how many of them actually hit, right? Because the guys ended up signing established quote unquote closers or relief pitchers and things just didn't always go how you went. So it's a difficult game, but I think process wise, those are some of the things that I would, that I would look for. Yeah. I'd look for the the biggest one I'd say is look for who's a free agent, what team's going to need a closer that one and the injured guys. I got your best bet. And then like I said, it's kind of a, it could be a kind of a cop out answer according to some, but I, I literally just went through while you're talking the depth chart on every team's bullpen right now. And I couldn't tell you, I really couldn't. I could, I can mention like three names on half the teams and, that's not going to help you at all. It's really not going to help you at all. So I apologize if that's a bad answer, but that's that's all we got. So um, Joe G asks, start Kyle Muller versus the Reds on Thursday since he seems to be hitting. I would sit Kyle Muller, but that's just me. I'm more sus. I'm more cautious. Wait, uh, Drew Smiley shut him down today. So who knows? Yeah. Um. I mean, it depends on what your other options are. Just looking at him, you know, he's got – got the low Babbitt, but he also has, you know, and the high walk rate, which is a little bit of a concern because it, it just feels like there's a blow up coming. He's also got the solid K rate, 25.7, swinging strike rate, 13.3%. He's doing well in the zone as well. So I think there's a lot of reasons to do it, um, you know, and there are um, reasons not to as well. So it just depends on what maybe your other options are. I don't have Muller anywhere. So I haven't been required to look at it, um, honestly. But let me just see. Let's let's take a look. What what um, uh, I like to use the tools at my disposal. Yeah. So he's according to the Rasball Player Rater, he's a negative starter guy. Um, he's negative like point two dollars. So he's super borderline. So again, depends on what. Um, what options you have. I don't love going up against the Reds lineup, but it's also at home, you know, for the Braves. So I don't know. Uh, it's a 50, 50 proposition. So I could be like, yes, definitely start him and 50% chance. I'm absolutely wrong. 50% chance. I I'm right. Right. So take, take with that what you will and make a decision based on that. Yeah. I'm always usually on the more cautious side of things. And I just, Watching the Reds daily, playing DFS, their team is a juggernaut right now. Like them getting shut down by Smiley was quite the shocker. I, it's baseball; anything can happen. But with Mueller, we've seen it recently. The strikeouts can be there, but he's also had some control issues, and that can get ugly quick against a team like Cincinnati. So, if you have other options, I would take other options. That that be that be my my choice there. Uh, Soli at Soli underscore is underscore typing asks: Last season, how do you, how do you wait or late season? Sorry, late season. How do you weigh cost benefit of attacking specific categories? For example, chasing wins and strikeouts, but it may damage ratios or power at cost of batting average. We've kind of answered this multiple times in recent weeks, and it's just team dependent. What can you move up more in the standings with? What's available to you on the waiver wire? Um, what can you afford to do on the waiver wire? Um, what's feasible to actually gain spots on like as it? Is it feasible to get X amount of steals where you can maybe go get X amount of strikeouts for cheaper? Like there's different ways to to go team by team, but um, I'd say I'd say I, for me personally, I I wouldn't worry as much about ratios right about now. 
because those get wild. And I go for the counting stats. That'd be one of the easier angles, I would say. So what about you, Toby? Um, yeah, I think that, um, yeah, I think you just have to be aware of each player is going to be different. And so what is the relationship between, um, you know, all the stats you're chasing? I think one of the things, and I actually lost the league last year, I think I blame it on this. I'm sure it was more than that, but you know, I got too fixated on stolen bases and like how close I was in stolen bases. And so I started, started starting like two or three guys a week you know, that were just stolen base guys, essentially. And that'll catch up with you quick, Dead you know, and home runs and runs are RBI, you know, so it all depends on like what the player is like. And that's why a guy like Ortego from a couple weeks ago is so great is because he's showing batting average and speed with a little bit of pop and he's hitting at the top of the lineup. So he's not hurting you you know, too much anywhere. Those are the type of guys that you're trying to identify, but it's hard to identify those guys. So I would just say, be mindful and keep close, close track, right? You don't want to look at your team now and be like, okay, I really need stolen bases. And then just keep pushing stolen bases without looking where you are in other places in the standings. Um, So that's, that would be kind of my approach. Just understand the relationship between the players that you're adding and how it's going to impact your categories over a period of time. Because we still have, to about two months left of the season, a little bit less than two months. And, you know, that's one third of the season, you know? So there's still a considerable amount of time to be able to lose ground in some that you're already winning. Yep. No doubt about it. Uh, Dave Petros yellow asked, does the starting pitcher carnage this year make you rethink pocket aces at all? Who would we even want to take first round next year? I think Cole, but DeGrom and Bieber are questionable right now. Are any of Burns, Woodruff, Bueller, Wheeler, a consideration for first round? For me, maybe Burns, but I think that's too high for those other guys. First off, are you reconsidering pocket aces? Because I think your strategy means you have two aces in case one goes down. So I think it probably strengthens your argument for pocket aces, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, with the pocket with pocket aces, um, like this year I didn't use pocket aces a bunch. Like I had, I think, one, two, I had six big 15-team drafts. And I think I went pocket aces in two of them, I want to say. So every year is different. The approach is different. It depends on what the player pool is. And it depends on who is who is left over. Um, I would say maybe. I mean, what I think it might be more conducive toward is drafting towards the back half of the draft, which was similar to this year. I definitely think Woodruff is a first rounder this year. I mean, he was drafted in the first round, 100%. Uh, you know, this year in some instances. And he was like, you know, right on the edge of, of in second round and 15 teamers. So I definitely think Woodruff is there. Um, well. Burns, um, I was well. just kind of looking. Yeah, I mean, he's been really good even since the sticky stuff was gone. 203 ERA, um, 50%, 51% ground ball. The Ks are way down uh, around 10 per nine, but. You know, again, very good. So if he pitches those innings, then, you know, sure, he's probably he's probably around there. But I do think that there's going to be a lot of starting pitcher depth in like the second and third rounds next year. Um, and it's also like, I mean, don't forget, all first round hitters pretty much have been injured as well this yeah. year. Um, it's not just the pitchers. And so, you know, next year I could definitely see myself taking like a hitter in the first round. And then, you know, all these guys are going to drop you know, at, at some point, you know, so like, like what about Bieber, you know, like he's never been injured before, but he just missed two thirds of the season or 
you know, three fifths of the season, you know, with his, with his arm. So where does he go now? Like you talk about DeGrom, like DeGrom is the best, like all he has to do is pitch half a season and he's worth like the one, one, it feels like, um, if you have him on any of your teams, your ratios are just absolutely incredible. Um, and so I think it'll just depend on where guys land, but I think you need to be, I think you need to be flexible. Pocket aces is certainly one strategy that you can employ, but I think it's going to depend on where guys fall. And we just need so much more information than we have right now to be able to know, you know, what that, what that is. Um, and I know people are kind of excited and like, who are we going to take next year? But God, if I know November got, drafts are going to be brutal. November, we got seven, we got seven weeks of the season to go. Let's focus on yeah. this right now. Got, but uh, I would put Bueller in the first round, but I'm a very pro Bueller guy. I think he is yeah. legit Cy Young type talent. So I'm a big Wheeler fan. I mean, he, he was like first round last year too, right? Yeah. He was like 15, 16 ADP. Yeah, so I, th- I think Bueller belongs up there. Wheeler will be close, but not quite. I think Giolito still deserves conversation for a second round, like early second round. I know it's been up and down with him, but like him, Castillo, those guys, they'll be interesting. There'll be a, a slew of talent. Darvish, uh, there'll, be, there'll be a lot of interesting guys there as well. But the one thing I will say, Toby didn't use a ton of pocket aces this past year. But if Phil Dussault wins the whole thing, he'll be the first one to ever win the main event with pocket aces. So it is still a thing. It's a if it's like like you said, there's many different ways to draft. We said that many times. So it doesn't mean just because there's injuries you have to go away. Hey, it worked out there just fine. He dropped the Grom, but it's like you said, and um, Alex Chamberlain tweeted it out today in a thread we had going on with with pitchers. I believe Degrom. He's something like he's worth like sixty dollars right now, and he's missed all this time. per start. I think, yeah, is what it is. yeah, and, it, and it's like it was twenty something dollars more than the next best guy. <laughs> Rodon was number yeah, two. Yeah, it's just crazy how good he's been. So yeah, don't worry about that one so much. Um, yeah, I mean, I do think I'm going to be more aggressive on pitching than I have been in the past um, this upcoming year. You can, um, so it feels like you can get, and it's going to be different every year. But usually, more often than not, you can find bats on the waiver wire much easier than you can elite pitching. Yeah. So it's like if you're cool with grabbing a bunch of Cal Quantrell types or worse, okay, go hang out on the waiver wire. But if you want guys, you can just be like, hey, I'm going to plug these guys in 90% of the time and not worry about it. You're going to have to draft them. That's just the way it's going to go. Like I got lucky and found Herman Marquez in a 12 teamer like two months ago. You don't find that very often. Like that was a gift. Um, yeah, especially in 15 team leagues, you're probably never going to see that. So. Yeah, you gotta you gotta pay for your pitching, especially in those deeper leagues. It's just it's a philosophy I've you've instilled in my brain over the last couple of years <laughs> that it makes more and more sense. Like you might not have to go crazy with it, but you definitely need to have a very strong core. Like I I might not go crazy early on, but I always say like I want like three in the first five rounds or four in the first seven or something. Like I want like a good starting point, and then I can kind of build around that. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, Liam at Freed Minds says, realistic expectations for elite hitters and losing teams, i.e. J-Ram and Juan Soto. J-Ram's been just fine. Um, he's been on teams like this many times, unfortunately, where they kind of sell it and let it go. I think he'll be fine. As long as he has Fran Mil Reyes and Ahmed Rosario and those guys around him, that'll survive for him this year. And Juan Soto went deep on Tuesday. Um, it does suck for Soto because they have less reason to pitch to him. Like They really could walk him as much as they want. But he's good enough, a la like Barry Bonds back in the day. If you make one mistake, he'll make you pay for it. So it, it does it does hurt Soto, I'd say, more than J-Ram to me. But I still think he's going to be very – like he's going to get on base a lot. He might steal some bags and score some runs. The power production might take a hit. But th- that'll all change next season. Not worried about next season. Right now, I'd say it does hurt Soto a little bit. J-Ram, I'm not 
taken too much of a change there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think there's much to add, to add there. Um, yeah. All right. Last question we have here. John Wilder asks, he has two questions. First one, at this point in the season, do you keep chasing wins, home runs, or stolen bases if there's a large gap between you and the next team? Do you keep chasing them, or do you uh, do something else? Why do you focus? Or do you try to? Uh, it depends on how big the it depends on how big the gap is. But generally, I mean, I think the key is you have to have a strategy for how you're going to win, and a strategy isn't just a one category strategy. Like it's a this is how many points I think I'm going to need to win. How can I get them? So maybe like you know, like you're doing really well in a lot of offensive categories and the only thing you needed to help in is stolen bases or home runs, then it's kind of like, well, as long as you're not losing points in the other categories, then, you know, sure, go for it. So it all just depends, but it's really, really hard. I mean, it's one of the things like it's the same with in, in across sports is very big comebacks happen so infrequently because all you really need, because you need to be perfect you know, and the moment you're not, the moment you had to have a bad week, you know, then, you know, so it's like, let's say you're back like 20 home runs and you have eight weeks to go. Well, you know, okay. So you have eight weeks to go. Let's make it easy for me. Like, and you have 24, right? So, uh, eight times, no, two and a half, no, three, Three, three. three. I, I, my math is good, as you can tell. Yeah. You should definitely be listening to me, people. Um, so let's say, uh, so that's like three home runs. You have to gain three home runs per week on that one guy. And let's say you gain three home runs on them that first week. And then you gain, you know, so then it's, uh, it's a seven, it's a 21 home run gap. And you gain three home runs on them the next week. And then, and so you're in great shape and you do that for five weeks. So you whittled it down to a nine home run gap with three weeks left, right? So you're almost there. And then you have one bad week and that person doesn't even outgain, they don't even outgain you. You're even on home runs for that whole week. Now you've got nine that you need to cover in two weeks and that's four and a half homers per week, you know? And so just that one time that you don't hit your mark, it sets you back considerably. And so you have to be perfect, but sometimes that's what your strategy entails. Like I have certain leagues where it's like everything needs to go absolutely right for me to have a chance to win or to even cash in this league. And so I'm going to try to do that, but the chances of it happening are unlikely. So just know what your full strategy is and what your possibilities are to win and try to take the avenue that you think is most likely to happen. Yeah. And there's also the point where it's like, if you know, you can't get to that home run mark or whatever you're saying, make sure you keep the other ones you have, like your other stats. Don't give up on those. Like you mentioned before, you kind of sacrifice the stats you're still leading in or doing well in to go elsewhere. And now you, instead of gaining, you, you've you lost overall. So like, keep your eye on the prize, but don't forget where you're at type situation as well because that uh, can go a long way too. His other question is, when did you start getting into fantasy baseball? And do you remember your best player from one of those first couple of teams? Uh, I first got into fantasy baseball. I think it was like senior year of high school. Um, got really into it during college just cause like had a bunch of leagues with friends. I don't know if, I think it was after that, that I, that this player played, but the one season that really stands out to me of all the seasons was Ryan Braun's rookie year. 
where he like came on the scene and he was just like, unlike anything that existed, like he was like the best player in the league um, for, for that, for that full time. Let's see. What, what do you do that rookie season? 324, 34 home runs, 91 runs, 97 RBIs and 15 stolen bases in 492 plate, plate appearances. And so from a guy who I'd never heard of that I just picked up off the waiver wire to putting up that performance over the course of five, sixths of the season was just unbelievable. So that stands out to me among all the different fantasy seasons that I've had as being particularly special, but it wasn't necessarily one of my, my first ones that I had. Yeah. I started uh, freshman year of college and I remember I just looked it up right now for like the first, for pretty much every year of college I was in school Albert Pujols hit over 40 home runs at over 330. Like, so it was like Pujols, Bonds, Griffey. Like, you wanted one of those top three picks, and Pujols was like literally a triple crown candidate. You had Miggy showing up. So Pujols was one of the ones. I remember I got him one year. It was like, okay, this is awesome. Like, this is plug and play, ready to go. You're not going to see stats like that very much anymore. But, um, yeah, we played in, in, in college with some friends, and some of those guys are still playing in leagues with to this day between baseball and football. So it's uh, it's pretty cool stuff. And uh, is where we are now, which is very, very entertaining. But uh, yeah, baseball. I, I was more just a baseball fan before I was a fantasy baseball fan. But uh, fantasy acts obviously adds a tremendous bit of fun to the whole situation as well. But uh, all right, Toby, that'll wrap us up for the week. That was our last listener question. So any final thoughts as we uh, head on out of episode 92? Nope, I don't think so. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, as always, really appreciate it. And good luck uh, over the course of this next week. Yep. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Keep those listener questions coming every Tuesday for us. Uh, you can check out Toby on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. I am at BDNTrick. We'll be back with you guys on next Tuesday. But for now, Bubba and the Batflip, episode 92 in the books. See you guys later. <laughs>